after these messages, we'll be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. All right, you guys, it's Tuesday. Donald Trump just officially became the nominee of the Republican Party. Even though I have railed against it on this very popular podcast. Turns out our media influence is less than we thought. You're listening to an episode of After These Messages. We don't talk about politics, though. (laughs) We talk about commercials. We talk about the best ones. We talk about the worst ones. And we talk about the ones where people say weird shit like this. This is the economy on stimulus. Any questions? That never stops being unsettling. My name is Andrew Walsh. I'm here with Genevieve Haz. Hey, Veeves. Hi, Andrew. Uh, don't if you do recognize that clip, don't say. But do you recognize that clip? It will all be answered later. I don't think I recognize it. Okay, good. That's a tease. Today on the show, here's what we're talking about. Let me start by telling you what we've talked about in past shows. We've talked about fake advertising in, in past shows, like you know commercials that you see in TV and movies and stuff like that. We've talked about real political advertising on this show before, but you know what we have never talked about? Fake political ads, fake campaign commercials. Wow. You take, the, you take a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, you mash them together. Brand new show idea. It almost sounds Brand like new show idea. You know, when you mock me, you mock yourself. No, this, this is case. already my favorite show of the year because I had to do almost zero work to prepare for yeah, it. Yeah, I did all the prep this time, which means um, it's not probably going to be our best show ever, but <laughs> it was tons of fun to prep for it, so I got I got my fill. Um, all right, let, let's get into this a little bit. You know, we're going to talk about all kinds of uh, political ads that you see in TV and movies. I think I made that uh, clear. I want to start with a... a, a uh, Ad a political ad that when you and I talk about stuff like this, Viv, this is the first one that comes to mind. Definitely for me, I think for both of us. Let's take a listen. Another great race today, Johnny. Who are you going to ride in the stakes? Well, Eddie, like my daddy always used to say, and I live by it, never change horses in midstream. Never change horses. <laughs> Sounds like a smart bet to me. Yeah, always stick with a winner. Keep America working. Don't change horses in midstream. On election day, re-elect the president. <laughs> that, if you don't know, is from the movie Wag the Dog. One of one of our favorite, I think, political movies. I love. I went through a big David Mamet phase, and yeah, that's one but of I my think favorites. that love. Even if you're not a huge Mamet head like we are. Um, Wag the Dog is a wonderful political satire. It's incredibly funny, and it is very much about. Um, it's a it it's this it's a story about um, what would happen if there was a very uh, big political scandal for a president who was facing reelection, um, and what some Hollywood producers and and fixers might do to shift attention. But in the background of that story. Uh, is the re-election campaign for this president, and, and it's pretty limp. And I, they, it's so lame. They don't even say his his name in, in the oh, ads. That's, they never. They that's just right. say re-elect yeah. the yeah, president. Right. Yeah, and it's just this sort of uh, you know. Uh, Vaseline smeared lens footage of like a, a, jo- a guy riding a horse and this sort of 
completely anodyne don't change horses in midstream yeah slogan. in that per- in that particular commercial um we actually see like kind of a literal interpretation of that phrase it's a jockey getting off the horse there's a little boy there also dressed like a jockey i don't know if it's his son or not no i guess it, not from that audio it's not his son but he's you know he says are you gonna who what horse are you gonna ride in the, in the next big race well you don't switch horses midstream now here's something that i found uh interesting um first of all i don't know if it's worth mentioning but that that commercial that you just heard that's the very very first thing you see as the viewer of the movie it's basically like opening title screen you see the credits it's ma'am and it's levison you see the name of the movie and then it opens with that and it opens um with a kind of a camera on a tv so it's almost a little bit trippy there's something about this movie not to get too much into it but the camera work is a little chaotic at times and i think it's because it's supposed to give you that kind of whirlwind dizzying effect of a campaign getting in just an entire like kind of uh political machine kind of going off the rails sometimes and it's it's a hilarious movie i think um throughout the movie i'm pretty sure you see this um these commercials in the background in different scenarios i don't think it's always the jockey no, commercial it's, it's different scenarios but that's always the same tagline i think exactly right? yeah um and i went to the original script because this is how i prep genevieve i went back to the original 1996 script i thought this was interesting i can't remember exactly why i went to the script i think i was looking for the audio in the movie and it was two hours i didn't feel like skipping through the movie so much i didn't remember is right at the beginning so i go to the script and i see that the movie was always supposed to open this way but the commercial was different this is from mammoth's 1996 script uh i'll read directly we see two business people on a plane a man and a woman businessman well all i know you don't change horses in the middle of the stream businesswoman don't change horses where there's a lot of truth in that the image shifts to a president doing presidential things. Not the president, by the way. A, a president. president. And the voiceover for peace, prosperity for all of us. Don't change horses in. And then it, and then it, uh, fade, you know, it fades into the next scene. Um, so I don't know. I thought that was a little interesting that they ended up changing. They, they wanted to start the movie with a much more literal interpretation of that, probably just for, I don't know, maybe just to make it, things more clear at the beginning. Yeah. And I think, too, it's, I think that the horse is kind of just visually more interesting mm-hmm. for for a viewer starting a movie. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to another political movie. By the way, we have a lot of TV stuff to get to in a little bit, too. But let's stick with movies for a second. Um, kind of uh, sort of the same era. This is a little bit earlier. This is this is one of your favorite movies, I think. One of your favorite political movies. I It certainly was when I was 16. Uh, this, the movie is Bob Roberts. It's a, a pretty acerbic political satire that came out, I, I would venture to say the early to mid 90s i think i was probably in like early high school when it came out so maybe like 93 94 um and uh, it's tim robbins playing sort of a uh, a very right-wing politician who's co-opted the uh the stylings of the left and he's like he's he has he presents himself like a bob dylan but he's like a bob dylan for the right so he's this uh very affable approachable handsome uh guitar playing politician with extremely like just abhorrently right-wing views mm-hmm. um and he's also just as it turns out just completely uh without any ethics or morals um but he he totally uh co-ops this sort this whole like uh, sort of peace love and understanding and like the 60s folk uh uh kind of trappings for this for this completely like right wing agenda 
Um, and so the I don't I don't remember specifically any ads in it, but it is it's it's filmed like a like a documentary that follows him through his uh, campaign for I think I want to say Senate. Yeah, and most of the tr- the, the kind of uh, returning theme of this is he's like uh, oh no, is he campaigning for president? Yes. What did you say? I think I said Senate by oh, mistake. I believe he's running for president and he's like a musician. So like while he's out on the campaign trail, he's pulling out his guitar and he's playing things. Um, so this movie is not riddled with campaign ads. That's not really the trope in this. There is one. It's not it's not the most notable fake political ad, to be honest with you. But I wanted to talk about this movie a little bit. And so the, the only one I could find and I haven't seen this movie in years. As a matter of fact, going through and looking at some clips today, I wonder if the movie actually holds up. But here's one commercial I found. It's kind oh, no, of I a, was right. It is Senate. It is Senate. Oh, yeah. really? I thought it was. I thought it was president. Uh, is Bowfinger president? Not Bowfinger. Um, uh, what's the other? Uh, the Warren Beatty one. The Warren Beatty. I can't think of the name of it. Is that? Pre- I think he's running for president in that, right? That I think it is presidential. Yeah. yeah. In this particular Bob Roberts, Bob Roberts commercial, he's it's a negative attack ad against his uh, his opponent. Oh, this is great. I remember this. His opponent is played by Gore Vidal, I believe. Okay. Well, this one maybe there's another ad in there that I d- could not find. This is the only one I could find. The voiceover mostly takes care of this for you. Uh, while you hear this voiceover, the visual is um, a phone off the hook. And, and still ringing. It's like a multiple line phone in an office somewhere. And the camera just slowly pans uh, up, I guess, uh, to show the, the phone off the hook. And then you notice that um, his opponent is actually asleep at his desk or somebody representing his opponent is asleep, slumped over the desk, uh, asleep at the switch, if you will. The current senator of Pennsylvania believes in giving free rides to welfare recipients The current senator of Pennsylvania believes in giving unqualified men and women jobs that could be yours. The current senator of Pennsylvania voted to give himself a pay raise last year. Paste. As he sleeps, we live his nightmare. Wake up. (laughs) Vote Bob. Do you recognize the voiceover? Yeah, and that's him, right? It is that, him. That's Tim Robbins. Which I think is kind of interesting. Voiceover. Like, in a real commercial, you would never have the candidate doing right. the hatchet job. But, of course, I think that this... I, I, I suspect uh, Tim Robbins either wrote or, or directed this movie. That'd be my guess. I like the way he said senator in that about 17 times, yet I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it's president. <laughs> um, I'll bragging about my prep for today's show. Uh, what the movie is mostly known for is its little musical numbers. The one that I think of first is, um, you had mentioned Bob Dylan before. This is an actual rap he does in the movie. This isn't a commercial. This is just an excuse for me to play this. He does this rap called the Wall Street Rap. It is so, I know it's supposed to be cringeworthy, but I also don't know that this movie stands the test of time it Probably also doesn't. just cringe, cringeworthy. The movie it, is pretty. It's kind of a blunt instrument, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. I loved it when I was fifteen, and and satire was kind of new to me, and I was still sort of figuring out things. But uh, but I think if I were to go back and look at it now, it would feel a little ham fisted. Yes, as well, Bullworth, which is the movie we we're trying right. to think of before, that even seemed ham fisted in nineteen ninety two or whenever that came. I was a kid at that time. I was like, this looks like cheesy. So I'm sure that doesn't stand the test of time. Yeah, Warren, that's a don't make that rap video, Warren Beatty edition, <laughs> right? And uh, so this, this don't make this rap video either. Uh, this is the Wall Street rap, and uh, the uh, Bob Dylan overtones are heavy in the visual. It's uh, I believe. 
the Bob Dylan song is Subterranean Homesick Blues, yeah. where Bob Dylan stands there with a bunch of cards and it very iconically flips the cards, kind of, and they all have some, some sort of social message, often oblique on them. I'm going to be sad if this doesn't hold up because I loved the scene when I was a kid. Yeah, so in this one, you have the candidate himself, Bob Roberts, doing the Wall Street rap and, uh, and tossing his own cards. Oh, and you've got like the. Um uh, the Robert Smith kind Robert of, Palmer Robert, excuse me Robert Palmer style dancers in the background yeah Michael takes a loan from a Midwestern SNL he puts the money in a quick drying ink well takes a lost steps cross walks to the corner store pulls a knife pulls his wife can't take it anymore forgot you know how far did it go take away the fire away it's a waterfall SNL SNL Jerry's in the attic, messing with the static. Junior's on the telephone, nothing problematic. Julie's selling D-bonds, her bill is turning over. John is building walls, manipulating a takeover. Look out, show how far will it go? Holds up. <laughs> I stand by it. The movie itself, overall, is is very uh, again very. It, it's it's not subtle, um, and I think it thought that it was maybe more subtle than it than it ended up being. But uh, I stand by it, and also just Tim Robbins. Like, how can you not love that guy? <laughs> I know I do love Tim Robbins. Um, I uh, I was gonna get into some TV stuff here, but while we're on this kind of era of political movies and stuff, can we go back for just one yeah, second? Yeah, I don't want to bog down too much, um, but I thought it was sort of the 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 ad that he does, the negative ad that he does mm-hmm. about his opponent, um, the sen- the other the, the stand or the exists the incumbent senator from yeah. Pennsylvania who's played by Gore Vidal. Um, it's it's a really scary ad. It's like it's really grim. It shows this like they they the story the story of the movie is they try to paint him as like a kind of womanized womanizer sleeping with teenagers having a pill problem being a drunk like they really do a lot of negative campaigning around him and then they make this ad they that capitalizes on this fiction that they have drummed up about him right mm-hmm. and it seems it's satirical and it seems you know it's almost over the top but then i feel like you look at not even this election which all bets are off but look at like the john Kerry swift boating Mm -hmm. the whole like that whole thing like that was a travesty right like this guy like legitimately went to war (laughs) legitimately was loved by his brothers and then they you know they drummed up uh, like a few disgruntled people to claim that he never served or didn't serve honorably or whatever and paint and created this whole fiction that then this negative campaign was built around and so i just wonder like you know, do, does this even read as satire now? I mean, th- that was made in like the early '90s, but I, to me, that it doesn't seem like you could see an ad as scary and grim and and negative as that one today, and it would absolutely fly. You could you could make and re- release that ad. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a little bit over the top, but I actually I don't know. 
I'm probably just missing the point here, and, and I'll be embarrassed when you explain it to me. But like the swift boating thing, I don't, is that an apt comparison to this? I mean, this is just a negative ad that is basically saying this guy has instituted a bunch of a policies. I mean, that's what the text of the ad says, or, or the, the the voiceover. It's like he's done a bunch of policies. Basically, he's been asleep at the switch that is making life harder for the rest of us. That's because you're not looking at the visuals, or because you don't have the context for the visuals. Um, the the rest of the movie or parts of the rest of the movie are about smearing his character. Oh, okay. And so if you look at the visuals in that ad, it's like it says there's like a bottle of pills, a glass of booze, and, and a, a, a notepad that says like one eight hundred I love teens or something. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's it's it only makes sense. The I visuals see. only make sense in the context of the movie. Oh, okay. And it seems like when it, it is something like as as blatant as one eight hundred I love one eight hundred wow. I love teens, um, and it's all. It's all a codification, in other words, of this lie that they have been telling about him through other through these other like, you know, memos to the press and things like that. Um, so I think it's kind of interesting and kind of worth watching. And, and this is one of those times when I kind of wish we lived in a swing state so that we could see what's happening out there in an organic way. Yeah, as far as the advertising? As far as the advertising. And you're talking down-ticket advertising? Because I don't think Trump is really... I mean, we've well, seen Trump. a lot of the, the, the uh, Clinton stuff, and we've talked about it, but Trump is not really doing any... The irony is that Trump is doing the least negative advertising of any candidate ever because he's doing he's the not doing least any, advertising. You know, I don't... I'm not a... I'm not a historian, as you know. I'm barely a podcaster, and so I don't have any <laughs> examples at my fingertips. But when people always talk about things getting worse and worse, now let's just take this particular election cycle off the table because I really do think that something bizarre is happening in our world where these are our two candidates. But aside from that, and aside from just the ridiculousness of, of the um, reality TV uh, star running for president, which is like be, you know through the looking glass for me, as far as negative campaigning, negative campaigning is concerned, and also a group in with that, people will often just say, boy, the, the state of the media is worse than it's ever been in this country. I think both of those things are a little bit overblown. If you go back to the 1800s, I mean, there were just these nasty campaigns where people were spreading just vile, vile rumors. Like, honestly, like, not that far. I mean, it wasn't 1-800-teen-girls then or whatever, but there were all kinds of, like, just straight-up, made-up stories about infidelity and stuff like that that people would have no problem smearing their opponents with back then. You're not wrong, but I'm going to use the dodge that they use done um uh the podcast we were listening to the other day it's the worst that it's ever been in the modern era oh right yeah that was that was slate's political Pol- gab fest. You, yeah. somebody said the modern era and then he caught himself and he's like i guess it's just a cheat you can always just define whatever the modern era is for yourself because i think he was talking like since the 1980s <laughs> or something like that yeah and i'm not and i am talking about the the honest like legitimate modern era yeah. but yes are you know were, were there were there was there craziness in the you know 19th century in this country uh kind of no holds barred kinds of kind of politicking of course and have there always been dirty tricks and um and negative campaigning yes um but i will say that in the 20th century and particularly in the sort of last uh, half of the 20th century and, and to up until now, I think we achieved kind of a high watermark of civility in our campaigning and then have been since since then have been chipping away at it steadily. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe. I mean, this is one thing I wanted to talk about somewhere. Might as well talk about it here, although I think we should get back to commercials or fake commercials in, in movies for a second. But, like, how do you feel? I'm going to get on my soapbox one way or another. All I right. brought it with me. Well, <laughs> I was wondering why you seem taller than usual. Um, 
you and I have talked a little bit about Hillary campaign's kind of Twitter game being pretty much on point. Like, yeah, obviously, I would say on fleek. Yeah, I know you would. Because I'm from six months ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because in your world, it's February. Um, we all know that Donald Trump goes off the rails. Let's keep this short, okay? Because I, I, I do want to get back to our, our mission here. But we all know Donald Trump goes off the rails on Twitter, blah, blah. That's been his whole thing. We all know that story. We also are learning that Hillary Clinton's campaign is doing a really good job of firing back and doing some, like, even when uh, there was the whole controversy about the five-pointed, I'm sorry, yeah, no, six-pointed Jewish star, supposedly, that Trump, the star of David, rather, um, that uh, that Trump tweeted out. I'm sure most people are familiar with the story. And then uh, it went back and forth. And then Hillary, supposedly Hillary or her campaign tweeted back a real burner at him. And it was kind of like, yay, Hillary. And that has to do with where you and I stand uh, politically, I guess. But I'm not really comfortable... I'm not comfortable with the fact that we live in a world where we're like, yay, Hillary, for firing back via Twitter. Like, it's just kind of like, I know it's just, I don't want to be an old man yells at clouds. I, I know that social media and even just like, especially YouTube, the way Howard Dean brought YouTube into uh, presidential politics. I mean, that's all exciting and interesting to me. But when it does become just like two two people vying for the most powerful job in the world and they're just slinging attacks, even if Hillary's landing some good zingers, that is not that doesn't rest that well with me. So what's what would your pref- what's your preference? What would you prefer we do? That we go back to the old days when it was all handled in smoky, smoke-filled closed door rooms. I say let the old white guys handle it cuz they that, have they, they are a doing job. a bang up job. So it doesn't I'm not saying that I would necessarily change it but it it doesn't give you, you, you pause at all even if she's really good at it and we kind of root for her that doesn't bother you it's like boy this is what political campaigning has been like not using Twitter to get your message out but you're you're using Twitter to take direct attacks at each other. Well it doesn't bother me or it doesn't it's like I mean it is kind of like yelling at clouds. I mean the it is it's a horse race and it is it and it is a it's a boxing match. Like there we're all paying attention to see who lands a punch, right? And to me it's important that that not Donald Trump uh land a lot of punches. And it's and and that it, you know and I and I support Hillary uh not uh, not unreservedly, but you know, authentically. So when her, when when Trump uh, tries to play off having a blatantly anti-Semitic, or, you know, retweeting a blatantly anti-Semitic sort of meme as a as a campaign message, and then tries to play the, when he when he does that, and then tries to play it off by referencing a you know a, a frozen poster uh, because a, a poster for the movie Frozen used also used the six pointed star. Um, when Hillary's Twitter team comes, hits back at him with, do you want to build a snow? Do you want to build a straw man? Which is a great, it's a good zinger. It's a good zinger. Like totally, uh, it totally makes the point in like very, very great economy of language. And, uh, and it is like a, a great joke that anyone who's seen frozen will totally get the instant they see it. I can't help but root for that and be happy and who's about that. For that? though, how does that help the electoral process? Does that change a Trump voter into a Clinton voter? Does that lay the groundwork for that? Even well, I don't know, Andrew. Let's see. Is there is there one candidate in this election who has consistently been told that she's humorless and unapproachable, and nobody likes her because she's not popular? Like, so well, you don't have to take that tone. Like I was just asking. So yeah. you're you're what you're saying then in a nicer way is well, it's interesting to see a, a funnier side of her, and that's what that yes. purpose that serves. Okay, it serves it serves a huge purpose. It's called marketing. Like, 
of course she needs to be doing things like that or have people who know how to do things like that because one of the big knocks on her is that she she's, doesn't get it, that she has no charisma. This is how you build charisma. You want to move on? Sure. Uh, let's talk about Tanner 88. This one is a little bit of a stretch as far as a, um, as far as a commercial being featured in a TV or movie because... Well, I'm going to have to do a lot of explaining. Um, <laughs> if you've never heard of Tanner 88, this is the Gary Trudeau and Robert Altman series that actually came out in 1988, and I think it was really ahead of its time. And the, yeah. the big reason I want to talk about this now is because there are probably some people out there who aren't familiar with Tan- Tanner 88, and if you haven't heard of it, I think it's worth going back. And if you are if you kind of have that political itch like we do, I mean, that's why we're doing this show today is because the everybody's talking politics, and I'm sure some of you would prefer not to hear our politics, and you can skip this episode, but it's where the country is right now as everybody's in Cleveland for the RNC. So usually when this is going on, like I like to watch things. I don't even like the West Wing that much, but like I like to watch the West Wing when a lot of presidential stuff is going on or whatever. Just, you know, you get into that mode. Yeah. And if you want to dig deep, Tanner 88, still available on Hulu, I found out today, if, if you're a Hulu subscriber. It was, again, Gary Trudeau of uh, Doonesbury fame, uh, paired up with Robert Altman. And it was ahead of its time because... It was very, like, lo-fi, quick to production, I think, and also mixed real life with fiction in a way we're much more comfortable with in 2016 than we were back in 1988. And it's about this guy. He's a U.S. rep, Jack Tanner of Michigan, um, and he's he's fake. He's a character played by Michael Murphy. Does Michael Murphy – I put in my notes that he's of X-Men fame. You know X-Men more than me. Does he play the evil senator in X-Men? I saw it in his credits. No, the evil senator in X-Men is um – um, oh, the guy who was in Willard. I can't think of his name. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so it's not it's not him. Anyway. But Michael Murphy. He's oh, that guy. You've he, seen him. I'm pretty sure he plays the scientist father of the of the mutant that has the wings. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I know that all the nerds out there are like furious. They don't know any of these names That's or fine. whatever, but you know who I'm talking about. Anyway, he's in it. If you saw his face, you'd recognize him right away. Well, this is back in 1988, and he's playing this uh, – this, uh, uh, U.S. Congressman running for uh, running for the Democratic nomination in the presidential race. And this is where and it's treated like uh, it's basically a mockumentary and it's like a low fi mockumentary. I think I mean, watching it today, it's very clear that it was uh, done with uh, with just uh, videotape kind of quality. And you'll probably hear even in the audio I played it's It's not. It's not this really high, glossy, West Wingy type of thing. It's very raw. And the the plot is. He's pretty far left. He's running against um, these other candidates who you will actually sometimes see like Joe Biden. You'll see real Joe Biden in it at times. And yeah. he's running against real young, life. Young people. Joe Biden. is great. Right. And so in a whole bunch of people. And it was released kind of right away, kind of during the during the campaign. It was really well done. And the first kind of plot, the first two episodes are kind of dedicated to this plot where uh, uh, the, the campaign ad plays a central role. And so the thing is, he's not very good on the stump, right? His campaign is high this guy to follow the whole campaign around for the first few weeks of his candidacy and the guy's just not getting anything you know the 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 filmographer is just not getting any tape because you know representative tanner is he's he's not charismatic and so he doesn't have any good tape but then um it looks like the campaign's kind of bottoming out a little bit they're just not getting any traction people are like snooze fest tanner 
and so the whole campaign is kind of just like broke dick and like just like being all slumpy or whatever. And Tanner comes in and somebody just asks him a question. And he starts talking kind of softly at first. And uh, but then it, it builds and it builds and he becomes more and more passionate, just talking to his own team, like I think four of his closest advisors. And the uh, cameraman secretly is recording the whole thing from underneath a glass coffee table. So the footage is kind of like very janky and everything. But the cameraman knows like we're seeing something here. So he switches on the camera. And uh, his campaign advisor later, I think in the, in the next episode we learn, took that footage and chopped it up into a bunch of campaign ads that turn his entire campaign around. The reason this is cheating a little bit is I don't have one of the actual produced ads for you because they never show you the final product. It appears in backgrounds and stuff like that. So what I'm going to play for you is a little bit of a montage. Um, You're going to hear kind of the end of his rousing speech here. And again, this speech went on for like four minutes and it's good because it starts very slow and then the very end he comes back to something. But I can't explain all that. You'll hear about 20 seconds of his speech and then You'll hear his campaign manager say to the cameraman, did you get that? (laughs) And then there is going to be a cut and you're going to hear the campaign manager years later talking about this. And then you'll hear the candidate years later talking about this as well to like some unseen documentarian. So that's a lot of information I threw at you, but I think you'll be able to follow this. And again, all of this is to say, just watch Tanner 88. It's worth it. We are the envy of this world. Why? Because throughout our history... We have always maintained that we could do better. We've insisted that we could do better. Well, it's time for that kind of leadership now, TJ. I'm not sure that it's me, but I'd like the chance to find out. Did you get it? I got it. I was completely inspired. Deke shooting through the glass coffee table, Jack exhausted and unaware, and all this raw passion just spilling out of him. His whole rationale for his campaign, who he was, what he cared about, all expressed in the most accessible, unguarded language imaginable. We cut four 30-second ads out of it, ordered massive buys in six markets, and buried Al Gore in his own state. <laughs> well, I never forgave her for it. Of course, she, she didn't even show the ads to me because she knew that I'd think the concept was phony, and it was. I mean, the implicit message was, never mind that this guy is totally ineffectual on the stump. He gives a great speech in his motel room. Well, who cares? You want to elect someone president because he looks great through a coffee table? Those ads were a total embarrassment. But they worked. What? I said they worked. Yeah, they worked. That's the documentarian you hear in the background there. It's it's so interesting. Like, I think that gets at an interesting thing about campaign ads. And maybe a little bit back to kind of what we were talking about before with Hillary. Like, how do you telegraph authenticity in an implicit, in a, in a uh, by definition, inauthentic medium? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the challenge of all marketing, right? But particularly for politicians, it's... Um, you know, at least with McDonald's or Coca-Cola, you know, yeah, it, the the transactional nature of it is very clear. Like, we have something we want you to buy. You will give us currency. We will give you this product. With political ads, it can't seem so transactional, but it is transactional. Mm-hmm. And so... You're uh, literally commodifying your personality. You're commodifying your personality, and that's what he's... Uh, he's objecting to it. And, and, and I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, like there's... I'm sure there's some witty witticism about how, like, you know, there's no, you can't have an honest man in politics because 
this the thing that this honest guy objected to was that his authenticity was being repurposed in an inauthentic way. Yeah, that's what I think. It's interesting the way he says, "Oh, what does he say? It's totally phony." Or yeah, and it's, it's like, like a, the least. No, no, no it's, it's the, the least, least phony. Yeah. Phony thing. Exactly. Um, this is too much information, but those uh, those clips where you hear them looking back at that time, talking back, were actually refilmed in two thousand four. That wasn't part of the actual original Tanner eighty eight. That was part of the repackaging they did when they rebooted it for four episodes right. in two thousand four, called Tanner on Tanner. And fun fact: his daughter in the first. First one is a young is a child played by young Cynthia Nixon, yep. who is Miranda from Sex and the City. She, as a grown up actress, plays his grown up daughter, who I think is the documentarian. She's a documentarian, hear, a documentarian, and she's trying to make a new documentary, and it has to do it's with back of his eighty eight. Meta race. upon it's meta. meta upon meta, but it really is like <laughs> I can't remember if the two thousand four one is worth watching. I it's remember really enjoying the Tanner eighty eight though, and I think it's just like if you're if you at all are a political animal, I think you'll enjoy it. Of course, if you're a political animal, you've probably heard of it already um okay let's let's talk about tv here a little bit one of our favorite shows of course although i don't think we've ever talked about it here um is veep on hbo unbelievably good worth the price of hbo yes and by the way uh for those of you who don't know if you uh if you like veep as much as we do uh i also highly recommend the movie in the loop which was kind of made by the same creative team or let's say the same creative team that made in the loop launched veep and so there's a lot of that same acerbic fast-paced uh political humor um well if you've watched the last uh season you know uh i guess somewhat spoiler alert but whatever uh jonah ryan who's kind of a uh, uh, kind of a White House aide who's very obnoxious and very unliked. He grew up in New Hampshire. He runs for Congress in New Hampshire. It's part of some bigger, I don't, I don't know if it's worth explaining, Genevieve, it's part of some bigger political plot on the part of the vice president, or I guess the president's office at that point. Um, but anyway, his his commercials are hilarious. There's only one that actually appears in the show. And, you know, he is the ultimate DC insider. And he's also a well, sniveling little whiner, he, too. He loves to uh, envision himself as the ultimate DC insider. And so he has a hard time taking off that ma- that cloak or that identity to play the folksy New Hampshire, you know, native Right. (laughs) Exactly. And so he's. So (laughs) if you know New Hampshire politics, uh, it's all about the retail experience. It's all about the, uh, you know, the the authenticity and the local boy and knowing like all the little quirks about weird New Hampshire culture. And so you hear him trying to like kind of walk the line of being like, I'm a, in, you need an outsider who understands the inside. <laughs> You'll hear a lot of that. So, Which is honestly what we hear from half oh, the yeah. politicians who are Absolutely. running for president. And by the way, when you look for outsiders, you end up with people who don't know. I mean, I understand when people get frustrated about just a bunch of kind of insiders playing the game and not really thinking about the electorate anymore. But on the other hand, I think we've seen like, I think it was in the early 2000s, not just, you know, um, at the presidential level, but at local levels, at state levels, everybody was just like, we're actually starting to see what these non-insiders were like when they took office. And in many cases, even here in Seattle, I loved loved Mayor Mike McGinn, but his first couple of years in office were like atrocious, or I guess just first year in office was atrocious because he didn't know how to do politics. Eventually, he, he learned it, and I think he became very good, but like... Yeah, governing is a skill. Yeah, exactly. It is a job. But anyway, what is the famous expression that is hilarious? Like, uh, politics and prostitution are the only two careers where experience is frowned upon or something like that. <laughs> I can't remember great. what that's from. Let's come back to Jonah Ryan for Congress here. So he's trying to be like an outdoorsy, woodsy kind of guy, and... Uh, 
I think we see in the TV show that he keeps on trying to chop a piece of wood, like a log, for the camera, but he can't do it. So in this ad that you're about to hear, know that when the log gets chopped, you see him swinging it, and then there's a really bad cut where there's a close-up of the log as somebody else actually, as somebody else actually is able to swing it and break the log. Let's take a listen. Hello there. I'm Jonah Ryan. Ah! And I grew up right here in the awesome state of New Hampshire, the granite state of the United States. Later, I moved to Washington, D.C., where I became a very important power player in our nation's capital. But now I've come back home. I'm a political outsider, and I'm fighting for change in the great state of New Hampshire. Vote Ryan for Congress. My name is Jonah Ryan, and I approve this message. So there are some visuals there. Um, at the end, you know, he's trying to also uh, show that he's good with kids or whatever. So you, he's on a playground for some of it. But, like, he's – instead of running around with kids, he's, like, chasing a kid. He's he, also, he looks like, like almost seven feet tall. <laughs> yes, he's super tall and lanky. Uh, anyway, so that's that's fine. You would enjoy that if you saw the show. But the reason it's worth bringing up, I think, is because they made a whole uh, campaign website oh, for this character in Genevieve. I love the two-screen experience. Y- you haven't been to this website yet, have no, you? No, I haven't. I'm just going to open this now. Uh, it has some autoplay music that I wanted you to hear. It is so... It looks like a real campaign page that says, thank you, New Hampshire. You'll be hearing from me. I'm not a huge Rush fan, but I'm pretty sure that that's Rush, which is so something that Jonah Ryan would like, although I don't think it's ever a direct reference in the show. And Veeves, if you go to the um, if you go to the Jonah's ads page, they have a million ads from him, and they're all like, I'm going to say there's like 10 to 15 of them up there, so I guess slightly less than a million, somewhere between 10 and a million uh, ads are up there, um, and they're all just used they're all using the same kind of basic footage from like around the woods or whatever and, and him chasing kids around and stuff. But some of them are super funny. Let me uh, play this one for you. This one's called New Hampshire Values. It has been such an honor to cross this great state seeing children, seeing children on buses, seeing children on playgrounds, <laughs> seeing children in their homes. And I see myself in these children. They remind me of myself because I grew up here and I know New Hampshire values. At the end, a kid is swinging, is pushing him on the swing. Um, I've seen, I mean, he sounds so stalkery as he's talking about, I've, I've seen kids in their homes. Yeah. Here's another one uh, using the kid. In this case, um, they're both looking, they're supposedly looking down at a sick eagle, but it's so clearly stock footage when they cut down to the eagle. Take a listen. Look, Mr. Ryan, it's an injured bird. That's not just any bird, son. That's a bald eagle. And it's sick. Is that sick audio America? Yes, it is. And that great eagle is sick of all the bureaucracy and red tape that's choking it to death. Can anyone help it, Mr. Ryan? Not just anyone. It's going to take an outsider with an insider's knowledge to fix this sick country. Jonah Ryan for Congress. He's real, he's rugged, and he's ready to fix our sick country. Look, Mr. Ryan. <laughs> the eagle, like some puppet of an eagle, is flying. That ad, I, I shit thee not. That ad could be 
for some uh like first time house rep- you know US house race like I really it's not that far off of oh, what no way. what yeah. you know um uh oh who was the one who was who was the one who was not a witch I can't remember her uh, Davis I believe something no, Davis it's not no. Davis uh but you know uh like they, we, all these all these crackpot some of these small states um have some crackpot people running for, for Congress, Christine O'Donnell. You know, it's honestly, it, that, that ad was, was barely satire. Yeah. And also, I mean, it makes Herman Cain's ads more on this in a second seem just, I mean, well, I guess Herman Cain's ads make that seem very, very professional. Yeah. Let's get into uh, the mix of real life and um, TV for a second, if you will. Do you remember this? I'd had no recollection of this at all, but I came across this today. It was from back in, in 2012. Apparently, um, the West Wing cast reunited in 2012 to make a four-minute video kind of advertisement for a judge or, or a woman who was running for Michigan Supreme Court in 2012. Now, the woman who was running was the sister of Mary McCormick, one mm. of the actresses in The West Wing. Do you remember this? I remember Mary McCormick. Okay, so, but you, did you know that they did this? No. So you and I, not huge Aaron Sorkin fans, and probably a lot of our audiences, because I think the majority of Americans are. Um, so this is going to, I think, set your teeth on edge a little bit, because they do the, I mean, it's just so Sorkin-y. And I bet you, I don't know if Sorkin actually helped make this. I think it's probably, you know, somebody else wrote it, but they're just Sorkining it up as they're like walking and talking and... Sure. and bah, 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 and I just I can't I can't stand that prattle anymore. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was kind of interesting because here we do have you know a TV kind of campaign. It's not the form of a campaign ad. It's more like a form of a mini like four minute uh, kind of walk and talk scene in the West Wing. But they're actually trying to influence real life uh, election and not just this woman's uh, campaign, but also to remind people the importance of like down ballot races. Hey, crisis. Are you calling me crisis? Like, as my hip-hop nickname? I'm saying there's a crisis. Is it serious? No, Will, it's frivolous. It's a frivolous crisis. Walk and talk. I'm really stretched. Ever. Ah, stupid coffee maker. Please tell me this isn't the crisis. This isn't the crisis. Is this the voting thing? It's what the voting thing? The crisis. It's the crisis, the voting thing. What voting thing? It's the voting thing. How'd you find out? Josh. This is a disaster. It's a catastrophe. It is a cataclysmic event, unrivaled by the likes of any calamity since the dawn of history. You can't. Boo-boo. Ballpark the odds of you reaching your point any time in the frantic foreseeable future. People aren't voting. For us or the other guy, because there's two ways to see that. No, in nonpartisan elections all across America, voters are leaving part of their ballots blank, and they don't even know it. Okay, explain this to me like I'm a two-year-old, and try to do it like you're not. Come on, I'll give you a lolly. People walk into the voting booth, they check the straight party ticket box, and they think that they have voted for everything, but they haven't. They still have to vote on the nonpartisan section of the ballot. That's the part towards the back. Usually, but not necessarily. They still have to look for it. And it's not rocket science. It's labeled. But it takes the voter like an extra 10 seconds to find it. So it's a thing. We're not talking dog catcher here. State Supreme Court. State Supreme Court. Michigan is one of 15 states that uses nonpartisan elections to choose their Supreme Court justices. This is Bridget Mary McCormick. It's Mary McCormick's sister. 
She's running for state Supreme Court in the nonpartisan section of the ballot. Married, mother of four, dean at Michigan Law. Bridget has spent her entire career fighting for justice for ordinary people, for families with sick kids, for victims of domestic violence. She's fought to free innocent men and women and get the actual criminals behind bars. She likes baseball and I'm going to buy her a ring. Seriously? Quick question. Who's Mary McCormick? Who's Mary McCormick? No clue, but something tells me she's delightful and whip-smart, possibly hot. Hard to say. At the end there, obviously, the uh, character played by Mary McCormick comes in and makes the meta joke. So so I'm sorry I had to play two and a half minutes of that. I needed to get to that uh, You should be sorry. That was annoying as... That is awful, right? But the thing is, it, while I'm sure some defenders of the West Wing will say, yeah, but that's a parody of the West Wing, I'm telling you, there's no difference between Barely. a parody and the West Wing. Like, it's like the, it's all like walk and talk, chatter talking of the way people never talk, mixed with a bunch of people who are in the highest positions of power. Explaining, but explaining the most the, basic functions of government <laughs> exactly to, each to each other. Which happens everyone on that show all in, the time. Everyone in the West Wing is like iced tea. And Law and Order Special Victims Unit needing to have very simple things explained to them all the time. I uh, want to talk about one more. Um, uh, actually, yeah, I think just one more intersection of real life and fake life. I didn't realize this, but apparently the the people who made Idiocracy, one of the the guys is Mike Judge. I can't think of the other guy's uh, name right now. Um, they apparently, I think, may have already made or are ready to make some anti some real life anti Donald Trump ads because so many people are saying, boy. Trump being in office is just like idiocracy. Just yeah. like, what's the name of the president in idiocracy? Uh, um, president Hector Mountain Dew something. Com- C- Camacho. Not, Camacho. 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 Um, and so apparently I think they're going to have um, Terry Crews reprise his role as the president and, and do some real life ads that will, you know, argue against voting for Donald Trump that will air. But I think they're waiting for this news I saw came out maybe a month or two ago. And apparently they're waiting for permission from like the studio because they can't just take that intellectual property. Yeah. What studio is it? Uh, I don't recall off the top of my head. I think it might be universal. I can see a studio not wanting to get involved. Not wanting to get involved. Yeah. Here was one that actually um, uh, did get produced and ran. Now, this is for a movie, but it is in the style of a political ad, and it first ran during the GOP, one of the GOP debates. Do you, have you, are you familiar with this one? Um, I think I have seen this ad, yeah. So I didn't even know this was a movie. This is apparently a movie that is oh, in it's, theaters it's the third, as we it's speak. It's the third entry in the Purge series. And I think it, it, maybe we're at the tail end of it, but when I looked it up today, it's like it's playing down the yeah. street if you want to go see it. And of course, I do not. The Purge movies are the movies uh, based on the idea that there's one day in America where uh, there are no laws and everybody can kill each other. Um, and so apparently in the third iteration of this, there is a uh, presidential contender who's running on the idea of Let's end the purge. Now, this is a commercial for the movie, but in the style of a political ad. And supposedly, the the makers say in the style of a um, specifically kind of a Trump ad. I thought Uh, she was like a Hillary... proxy she is but this is an attack ad against her this is a pro so this is like an ad made by people who want to protect and and save the purge this july have your voice be heard i purged i purged i purged i purged i purged because staying in is un-american don't let your freedoms get taken away i purged because it's my civic duty show your support I purged for my family. For the purge. I purged to keep my country great. 
The Purge, election year. That's great. Really well done. Uh, shot really uh, perfectly. Um, so we'll post it at the Facebook page. You can uh, take a look at that. Okay, if we're going to be talking about uh, blurring the lines between real life and uh, TV fiction, let's talk about Stephen Colbert. You can't not talk about Stephen Colbert. I told you uh, at the beginning of the show that all would be revealed, Veeves, as far as the um, the little audio I played at the beginning for the for the little clip. I don't know if you remember this Herman Cain ad. This was a real Herman Cain ad. Now, Herman Cain, obviously candidate, uh, 2012 president of the United States, uh, founder of Godfather Pizza and Total Whack Job. He's the guy who had the 999 plan. Well, this is one of his first commercials. Uh, it is a girl holding a goldfish bowl. The goldfish bowl drops to the ground, and you see the fish on the pavement for a long time, and it flaps around for an uncomfortably long time. And the girl says, this is the economy. And then it flaps, flaps, flaps. And then she sprinkles a little water on it, we think, or something, or dumps water on it and says, this is the economy on stimulus. And then she says, any questions? It's kind of a play off of the, the old anti-drug campaign from the 80s. And then when nobody answers, you, we get a faraway shot of her, and she just screams at the top of her lungs, any questions? And then it ends with an even further pulled out shot of Herman Cain standing at the side of a cliff, just lo- like a tiny silhouette of a man uh, looking at, at God's great kingdom. Let's take a listen to this. This is the economy. This is the economy on stimulus. Any questions? Any questions? There's old Herman Cain. Ah. How disturbing is that? On the green screeniest cliff. (laughs) Oh, that's right. I should have have specified. Now that you've seen that, does that ring a bell? Yeah, vague one. I mean, it really... Even now, you're shocked at how crazy Herman Cain's candidacy was. Even even after the last year that we've been through, it's still crazy that he was uh, allowed on a debate stage. So um, Stephen Colbert, still when he was doing the Colbert Report... Does a uh, does a parody of this that I'm going to play for you in a second. While I wait for the um, pre-roll ad to uh, to finish, though, I'll also say Colbert's relationship with Kane got weirder and weirder. And this is where it's we're not just playing a spoof here. I mean, we're going to, but Colbert started a real super PAC in order to. Well, just to prove that he could start a super PAC, basically, that anybody can. And then he started collecting a bunch of money. And he's from South Carolina, right? So then he ran some sort of a weird campaign for president in South Carolina. But Colbert couldn't get his actual name on it. So he actually started running a Herman Cain ad. Do you remember this at all? He used his super PAC to run these weird-ass ads that really ran on TV. And they showed Stephen Colbert in the ads. But then it said... Herman Cain. They just changed his name to Herman Cain. And basically he said, well, we just want to see if people actually vote for Herman Cain. This was after Herman Cain basically pulled out of the race. Was it because Herman Cain's name was already on the ballot? I think so. So he could just run, so they could just run ads for Herman Cain? Colbert basically wanted to run ads for something to try out his super PAC, I think. And uh, and that's that's what he ended up doing. So I'm going to play that super PAC ad for you in a second. But first, uh, I was just stalling there a little bit. Let me play for you this ad. Uh, uh, This is Colbert's direct parody of that Herman Cain ad we just heard. I was so inspired by Cain's art attack or Artak ad that I chugged a bottle of Robitussin 
punched myself in the temple with a porcelain cow creamer and made an avant-garde ad of my own about all the things we forgot we used to be mad about. Jim, let's shatter some paradigms. Now I'm going to pause it for one second here because a quick warning. This is super visual. We'll post the whole thing to our Facebook page. It starts about four minutes in. Um, but just like that Herman Cain ad was just very weird on the eyes, they shift through a bunch of weird-ass stock footage, uh, like somebody painting the word cow on a cow. I think there's a scene of a monkey milking a cow, but it's not all cow-related. There's, like, old people doing weird things. So it's all this strange uh, stock footage with this voiceover. This is the economy. This is the economy on regulation. It's a cat eating a decapitated guy's this head. This is contraception. This is the auto bailout. This is gay marriage. Van Jones. The Mexican border. <laughs> Socialism. This is grandma in a dystopian future. Any questions? Any questions? So anyway, I know that's very, very visual. It ends with uh, Colbert standing on a cliff in what looks like a nether world of some sort. But uh, we will post that. Uh, in the meantime, do you want me to play for you the um, the actual Super PAC ad that Colbert ran in South Carolina? And he actually ran this as if it was as if he was serious, right? It just ran on television with no further. I mean, I know he explained it on his show. But it just aired in South Carolina, right? That's my understanding of it. I found this clip from the LA Times, which was about a related story. This is a quote. Uh, Colbert has formed his own super PAC, which has released ads directed at South Carolina voters. He has also launched, he said, quote, an exploratory bid for president of the United States of South Carolina. But Colbert cannot get his name on the ballot, and Keynes remains on the ballot. Again, I'll interject here and say this is after Kane officially dropped out of the race, but his name was still on the ballot. Hence, Colbert's latest gambit, convincing people to vote for Kane, with whom Colbert says he shares political values. If enough vote for Kane, Colbert says he will interpret that as a sign that he should formally declare his own candidacy. So here is the uh, Super PAC ad for South Carolina. Every time you hear the word Herman Kane, I want you to know that it's actually a picture of Stephen Colbert. The people of South Carolina are frustrated. It's less than a week before the election, and there's still no candidate for us. Plus, the economy. Thankfully, there is one name on the ballot that stands for true Americaninity. Herman Cain. Americans for a better tomorrow tomorrow believes a vote for Herman Cain is a vote for America. He's not a career politician. He's such a Washington outsider, he's not even running for president. Send them a message. On January 21st, vote Herman Cain. So just his bizarre, bizarre, I, again, I, I don't even know how to describe it, social experiment. I miss that, Colbert. I feel like, the, so this is a day after uh, Colbert kind of, like, snuck onto the stage at the Republican National Convention dressed as um, Stanley Tucci's character from um, The Hunger Games with the blue hair, uh, mm -hmm. Caesar or something, I think. I haven't watched it. I just keep on hearing tell of it. It didn't sound very funny to it me. It didn't sound that funny to me either. He, he got up there uh, in the sort of in the character of uh, in that character and declared at the the opening of the 
uh, Hungry for Power games um, and made a couple of sort of weak tea Trump jokes. But like it feel it felt very it felt like sort of Kimmel like to me. Mm. So it felt stunty without being subversive, mm-hmm. particularly. Well, let me like um, I bet if he'd approached them, they would have let him do it for free. I did. Did you get the impression that maybe he did that even the idea that it was a um, I mean, they, he a was escorted off, was, but who knows? Well, I, uh, I guess I was talking to Luke about this on TBTL, but it almost seemed like the person who escorted him off, according to Luke, was just probably a, a Colbert staffer dressed like an actor dressed. Yeah, maybe up it was like all a, maybe it was all kosher. I don't know. But if that's the case, that's even sadder. All right, we uh, should probably wrap this up, but I want to um, just mention uh, things that did not make the cut, Parks and Recreation. There was a a whole Leslie Nope uh, for City Council campaign. Um, Dave Chappelle had a a funny one from the Chappelle Show. We'll post that to the page. I do want to play, though, uh, let's go out with a few um, Saturday Night Live uh, political ads. Now, obviously, Saturday Night Live has been around for 40 years. 40, right? They just No, did they celebrate their 40th or their 50th? 40th, right? Um, I fortieth, yeah. Know. Um, and so, and and they're always very political, political satire. So you you can't do it all. But let's go with a couple of more recent ones. Um, have oh, you, you know what's one we forgot? These? That's huh. a funny one. When um, uh, when John Slattery is on Thirty Rock as the crazy. Uh, oh yeah, crazy congressman that Jack Donaghy backs because he's preferable to any Democrat, basically. Right, a slattery from Mad Men. From Mad Men, yeah. Right. Uh, he's and he's just and so he's so super crazy. He can't string one two sentences together that make any sense. Yes. So they just edit the shit out of what he says so that it sort of sounds like a platform. And doesn't um uh uh Jordan do one too? I'm blanking. Sorry, why am I blanking? Tracy Jordan. Tracy Jordan. Doesn't he do one as well for think, like yeah, they have black conservatives do, or yeah, something like that? Yeah, they have him basically run a, an ad for in support of this guy. Um, and it's predictably yeah. uh, ineffective. Um, so I, what I, I'm, by the way, the reason I brought the Mad Men thing is there is a good SNL John Hamm one that I'll play in a second here. And it's kind of a generic uh, campaign. I'll explain it as we get to it first. So let's start with two topical ones. One is uh, taking shots at Hillary Clinton's campaign. So this was obviously kind of probably in right when she was most embroiled with Bernie Sanders. Um, and, and so this campaign, she's trying to, con- she's basically trying to talk to Bernie Sanders supporters and ask, as this ad goes on from Saturday Night Live, um, uh, you, uh, Hillary Clinton, by the way, played by Kate McKinnon, um, kind of takes on more and more of a sound and look of Bernie Sanders. As millennials, your voice is important. You're the ones who will decide this election because there are so many of you. So, so many. And luckily, I, Hillary Clinton, share all of your exact same beliefs. And I always have. Since the beginning of my campaign, I have constantly said, we need a revolution in the streets. Millions of people coming together. Because America should be for everyone, not just a handful of millionaires and billionaires. <laughs> She's starting to talk I am like millennials. him. You're fired up. You're angry. And I'm angry, too. Because the top 10% of the top 1% control 90% of the wealth in this country. And I always said that. Ever since I was a young boy growing up in Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn. And when it comes to that darn Wall Street, I've always believed no bank can be too big to fail, no executive too... You know the rest. (laughs) It's that famous mobilizing sentence that works on you guys that I've been saying this whole time. 
So thank you, millennials, for lending your support to the biggest outsider Jew in the race. <laughs> Hillary Rodham Clinton. There's a lot of work to be done, and that is why I am sick and tired of hearing about my own damn emails. So as it goes on, she starts to physically look more and more like Bernie Sanders. She's got short white hair and, uh, and uh, by the end, big and glasses. And a rumpled, much too big for her suit. <laughs> yes. She does such a good job, Kate McKinnon. Oh, Not only does I she does her. a great job of doing Hillary, but then seeing her just kind of like slip into that character, like that is... And she's uh, doing Bernie as Hillary, which is a, a trick. Okay, so this next one is um, uh, voters for Trump via Saturday Night Live. Um, you're just going to see a bunch of like kind of average voters talking about why they're going to vote for Donald Trump. You're going to hear big laughter about halfway through this, and I will explain why. It's a very visual ad. The media's been saying some pretty negative things about Donald Trump. But what are real Americans saying? The guy's a winner. He's authentic. He's the only one who's actually created jobs. Now, this is a real Americana ad. You see tractors in the field. You see the, the woman talking is ironing a shirt. She's like clearly like, you know, kind of representative of the, of the housewife. And um, there's a guy in his study. The guy we're talking to right now is paint. looks like he's painting a house. He's up on a ladder somewhere. These are just like real blue collar, yeah, traditional America. values Americans. He literally wrote the book on negotiating. Trump's an outsider. Washington needs that. I think he can make this country great again. So when people ask why you support Donald Trump, you just tell them. He's going to take our economy from here to here. <laughs> <laughs> and then when this guy raises his arm to say to here, we see that he's wearing a uh, swastika armband. And then as the commercial goes on, we realize that all these people who are talking, we pan out a little bit and we see uh, that they are engaged in probably some sort of white power agenda. He's not some cautious politician. He says what I'm thinking. She was ironing a KKK robe. I just like the guy. That guy was painting white power on the side of a house. seem a little out there, but... I like that he's looking towards solutions. This woman's tracking Muslims. Definitely not PC. The guy by the fire turns out he's burning books. So why do I support Trump? Three words. Good at business. A, burning, a message from a burning cross in the background. Racists for Trump. Yeah, Kyle Mooney's character at the end, he's been chopping and carrying wood the whole time. Turns out he's uh, using that wood to burn a cross, and you see a Klan rally in the background. So uh, that, I mean, I just don't pay that much attention to SNL. I will say both of those were really good. And also, that last one, Racists for Trump, like, that's some pretty hard-hitting, like, that is, that's, I mean, I support it, but that's bold. Don't you think, Saturday Night Live? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's bold. In any other year, it would it would seem... Uh, so far beyond the pale. Uh, mm -hmm. But now it just seems like a reiteration of what we all know. Right. Okay, well, let's uh, let's lighten it up a little bit and not talk about any real campaigns for a second and talk about the, um, uh, well, this campaign as presented by candidate John Hamm. I think this will be self-explanatory. Just because we're small doesn't mean our ideas have to be. Don't you think it's time we elect someone with big ideas? Hi, I'm Pat Finger, and I'm running for city council right here in beautiful Butts, New York. You know, I grew up here in Butts, 
so I'm very familiar with the sights, the sounds, and the smells of Butts Valley. In other words, I'm deeply concerned with what's going on inside Butts. I promise to improve our bridges and roads with a special focus on repairing potholes. I vow I will do everything in my power to plug up each and every Butts hole. Okay, it's a bit of a stretch at times, but let's just go with it. To get these things done, you're going to need a finger in Butts. Paid for by the committee to elect Pat Finger for city council. Well, then I pause. He comes back with another ad here in a second. What were you going to say? Well, we laugh, but we used to live in a state where there was... Um, Dick Sweat. Dick Sweat was a, right. an elected politician. What do you think is more important, politics or people? We think people. Hi, I'm Pat Finger, and I'm running for city council in Butts, New York. I'm still not so sure what was so darn funny about my last campaign spot, but... Uh, I want you to know that my passion for butts is no laughing matter. <laughs> Loving butts is a tradition in my family. In 1869, my great-grandfather, E.T. Finger, fell in love with butts, and, well, there's been a whole mess of fingers and butts ever since. <laughs> but things don't always go smoothly in butts. In fact, we have a pretty serious crack problem. And I want all you drug dealers to hear me loud and clear. When I am elected, I can't wait lick the crack in butts. Okay. I, the puns get more and more of a stretch. He comes back with a third campaign, spoiler alert, and he's like, now I get it. Pat Finger in butts. It sounds gross. I'm taking my mom's maiden name. She's Quebecois. Her name is Deldo. And yeah. so it's, uh, you know, Del, Dildo and butts is the joke there. It seemed like, I was watching your face. It seemed like that was a good time to stop that. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of, that that ad to me is like it's so one note or yes that, absolutely the joke is so one note I, now again i don't watch that night live but i would bet if if i had 20 dollars, which i don't uh i would bet that that was one that ran like last skit of the night sort of which i kind of like sometimes they will put those really weird ones that are just kind of like yeah this isn't our strongest material but let's just throw it throw yeah it on i love the one. weird stuff that didn't feel weird to me it just felt lazy you want to check in with the ad council let's check in with the ad council <laughs> Everybody's talking at me I don't hear words they're saying Only the echoes of my mind Alright, this is where you gotta take over Because I don't know what's in that mailbag Well, we have our first uh, our first submission from listener Rosen um, Who sent us a commercial for a product called Sauna Pants And I... S- sauna, like sauna, like okay, you yeah. go like a like a you know a sweat. Gotcha, a gotcha. Sauna. Not like Sonic, like Sonic our toothbrushes. No sauna, sauna pants. I, I'm from Ohio. I like, really like to round that out. Um, I want you to play this and. Tell me when you have decided if it is a real product or a fake product. Well, based on the very first still I see, it automatically looks fake, but let's give it a shot. Nothing makes you feel more invigorated and refreshed than a steaming sauna, relieving your body of excess stored water which may contain toxins. But who has the time to spend in a spa? Plus, the sauna experience can be expensive. Not anymore! Introducing the revolutionary Sauna Pants, the at-home sauna experience that you can enjoy when you want to and where you want to, right in the comfort of your own home. All you do is wrap, 
adjust heat level, and relax as the sauna pants deliver a deep, soothing heat. Okay, let me pause it here and describe these pants. So these are like big thermal-looking shorts, sort of. They kind of wrap around you and wrap around your your thighs. And then right in the middle, almost like it was a Saturday Night Live skit, there is like a, a big thermostat, like almost where a belt buckle would be. And so there's a giant thermostat knob where you can adjust, I guess, your, your comfort level. Should I keep going? Yeah, I mean, t- tell me what you think so far. Um, I'm still thinking fake. I think especially because of like the placement and look of where that uh, where that thermostat knob is. Leaving your body of excess water, you instantly feel invigorated with tired muscles soothed by a penetrating deep warm heat. The sauna pants work just like a sauna, creating a moist heat sweating out unwanted excess water around your midsection and thighs, right where you need it the most. Now you can feel and look your best with the amazing sauna pants. The unique design of the sauna pants wrap and attach instantly, adjusting to the comfort level of your body shape. And unlike spa saunas, you're in total control control of the heat level. Never too cold, never too hot. Always just right for you. Now you can read, watch TV, or just relax in the privacy of your own home. Okay, we're only about halfway through this. Should, yeah, we, it, it just okay. keeps going. I wasn't sure if I was you, waiting you can, for something. You can, as, as, Rose, as listener Rosen says, uh, because, swamp ass, because swamp ass isn't embarrassing if it's self-induced. <laughs> so are, are, I was, So what do you think? Is it real or fake? I mean, I, my guess is because you asked me that, and because I'm a suspicious person, I assume that turns out it was fake but uh, are you telling me that it's not i i think it's real i mean i went to amazon it is on amazon now mm-hmm. it is not available like it's sold out or whatever oh, okay yeah i'm looking at it now yeah but i think this is a real product that somebody made and sold and i just it's odd that they don't have a website at all though the only hits are for Amazon. Like, if you started Sauna Pants, don't you think you'd register saunapants.com or saunapants.info at the very least? Andrew, I can't tell you what my mental state would be like if I was yeah, trying to true. sell sauna pants. I assume I would be crazy. That's true. It just seems weird to me. Yeah, so, All like, the I'm only reference to it is that, ju- that, that yes. infomercial and then this, the Amazon. And so, I don't know, how hard is it to, like, put a fake product on Amazon? Probably not that hard. Yeah, I'm trying to figure this out because the first, sol- like, solidly, the first uh, two pages, which are about, what, 20 results a piece on Google, are nothing but Amazon links, and each one leads to a dead end of, like, this is no longer available. All right. So- and counsel, if you can prove uh, prove the existence of sauna pants, we want to see your sauna pants your blurry sauna pants photos. Or or prove a negative. All right, what else do we have? All right. Um, we have uh, from listener Patricia, our, our Canadian show from a couple weeks ago, um, Coffee is for Hosers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the PSA that we played on that show for, um, I think, Don't Put It in Your Mouth, uh, got her thinking about a fake PSA. And actually, it's um, an apt show to do it. Um, was don't put it in your mouth. I'm sorry. Was that the one, Mister? That wasn't Mister Gross out or whatever. The stickers that you put on things. Um, wasn't there a Canadian one that that was uh, don't don't put it in your mouth? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, sorry. Was it go Canadian? ahead. I thought yeah. it was. Anyway, she sent this in, uh, and this is a fake Canadian PSA from the Nick Kroll show. And if you if you've seen the Nick Kroll show, you know that he has a he, he did a bit about. Um, uh, Wheels Ontario, which is this sort of like uh, Degrassi Junior High or Degrassi kind of like parody uh, for Canadian high school. And Gene Creamers is one of the teachers who has a recurring role. And this is Gene Creamers' PSA for Get Out. Okay. Pardon. Do you have seasonal depression there? Oh, don't change the channel. 
You get out. Hey there, Canadian youngsters. I'm Gene Kramers, and I'm here to gently prod Canada's youth to, to get, get out. out. Get out. Pardon? Get out. Canadian sit-ups. Jumping jocks. Great wagon wheels, ladies. What about safety? Safety first, eh? Safety Remember, tie those trainers. Double knot. Is this exercise? Yeah. What if I need <laughs> energy? Well, try some gorp. What's gorp? It's a cereal that you eat with your hands. Remember, <laughs> kids, just a fourth of an hour a day. That's it. Don't quit. And remember, get out! Okay. <laughs> That's pretty great. I love the Kroll show. I miss the Kroll show. I do too. And I love, uh, we had, we had talked about, um, I forget if we, if we talked about this on the show, but in prepping for that show, I was looking at a lot of, um, Canadian slang and Canadian, you know, words that are unique to Canada. Mm-hmm. And I love that, right. that a lot of the jokes in that are like, uh, wagon wheels, which are just cartwheels. Exactly. Jumping jocks. Uh, jumping jocks. Or jumping gym. jacks. Yeah. Um, you know, trainers t- are your tennis shoes. Uh, so thank you for sending that in Patricia. Um, update, update. I sh- we should have like the, you know, like breaking news, BBB Oh, sound. we do need that. Yeah. Um, for new news about the Colonel Sanders. This is not, I don't know if this is technically news, but this is a little wrinkle. Uh, thank you to listener Jeff who sent this in. Uh, he says, like many of the listeners, I've been excitedly following the saga of the Colonel. Ooh, that does sound good. Uh, well, well, while I was reading a few comic books, I came across this amazing ad. Uh, I know it's not a TV commercial, but I figured y'all would find it as cool as I do. And it seems like all these different kernels might just be some kind of multi- uh, multiverse situation. And the picture he sent us, which I will post to the website, is uh, what appears to be the cover of a comic book called The Colonel Core. And it's a bunch of different Colonel Sanders of like varying body types and sizes and and slightly different uh, details. But there's just like a pack of Colonels on this on this uh, ad in this ad. And I don't know what this is from. If this is from like a real comic book or is it yeah. is it just a joke? If you look at the photo, this is not the actual cover. You can tell that the book is uh, open. So this is like an advertisement in a comic book. Yeah. It looks like. But no, I don't think I don't yeah. think listener Jeff would go out and buy a comic book about the Colonel. Really. <laughs> if you saw know. this, you wouldn't buy it. Well, I don't think he. I don't think he did. Come on, Jeff, you would buy it, right? Uh, we'll reimburse you. I think that's how it works. Um, uh, yeah. So I don't know. It says available free at uh, Comicsology dot com, which I know is an online. I subscribe to that. It's an online. Um, it's like an app you can use to to read comics on your your portable device or whatever. So yeah, it looks like they are making a Colonel Core comic book, and I'm sure you know it's all just like you said before. It's all just marketing. Just marketing. Like, we're so sad about things that are just marketing. We do a whole podcast about marketing. All right. And uh, finally, uh, because we had a listener write into us in French, uh, I just wanted to to include it in the ad council. This is from listener Paul Denis. Um, please so wait, hold on. Did you use a, a Did you use a service to translate? This? Oh yeah, I just use Google Translate. Oh okay. Uh, please accept my apologies. I do not want to invade your privacy. I wrote mail earlier to you, but no answer. In my first post, I talked about my deceased client bringing the same last having bringing the same last name with you. After his death, I received a letter from the bank hmm. where he made a deposit before his death. Hmm. The bank asked to provide his next of kin or any of his parents which can uphold its funds, or it will be forfeited to the bank because I could not locate a parent. So I contacted you for this claim, since you have the same last name with him. After your response, I'll give you the details in terms of the transaction, waiting for your answer. 
Ooh, so pretty exciting. Yeah. Very exciting times for us. Um, I'm a little bit concerned here. And also, Jeff, I'm afraid uh, I will not be able to reimburse you for that comic book anymore. It looks like somebody else needs our money maybe a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, I have already forwarded our bank details. Okay, fantastic. You can sell anything. You can sell anything. All right, let's get out of here and see if there's any more uh, RNC coverage going on on the TV, although I think we missed the best of it. Uh, this is After These Messages. Next week, probably a lot less political talk. Thanks for putting up with us the past two weeks. Uh, if you want to send us uh, ads that are uh, ringing your bell, you can email us at afterthesemessages at gmail.com. Genevieve, Facebook. After These Messages show uh, on Facebook. And our voicemail line is 607 444 5597. Once again, 607-444-5597. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Veeves. Thank you. Talk to you guys next Tuesday. Yeah, pooping on the track. Call me Doodle Vic. Cool, cool, cool lady. Nothing new to the kid. What can you do to the kid? Totally stupid and sick. No scruples. Cool man. Ice cream. Scooping it. You can